0: Welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode, where we talk about media related to the. On this special Alt Mode, I get to sit down with voice actor and now author Rob Paulson. Uh, We talk about his new book that's coming out, uh, his career, and maybe a little hockey. Enjoy. Welcome to Transmissions Alt Mode. I'm your host, Jeremy. I'm here solo for this special podcast. Uh, uh, The other guys really wanted to make it for this, but unfortunately, the only time we had to do this interview was in the middle of the workday, and my work schedule is a little bit more flexible than the other guys, and they just they couldn't make it. But uh, they did get a couple questions that I was able to ask. uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, particularly Daryl's, but I, th- I think I called out both of them when I asked their questions. But anyway, uh, on to actually why uh, I am so excited to be talking with you guys. We have a very special guest on this episode. He has been two different Ninja Turtles, a lab mouse, the one that wears the pants in the Warner household, and of particular interest to our audience, a couple Aerobots, Releasing on October 8th is his book, Voice Lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky and an Animaniac Saved My Life, which tells the story of his battle with throat cancer and how it changed his life. I'm very happy to welcome Rob Paulson to the special Transmissions Alt Mode. Thanks, Rob, for coming on.
1: Hey, buddy. Not at all, Jeremy. Thank you for lowering your podcast standards and, and having me on. It's a pleasure.
0: Uh, oh, we, we we have such low standards, but you, you, are, you are like... Yeah you know, you've blown away, you know, we've had many voice actors on and you in particular are a bucket list for me. So this is. Oh, bless your heart.
1: Thank you very much. I, uh, that is very kind of you. Honestly, I, um, I am a very fortunate fellow for many reasons, not the least of which is I've reached a point in my career where nice younger people like you and, and others are even remotely interested in what I do. And don't get me wrong, it's not false modesty. I'm good at my job, and I'm better at my job today than I was yesterday. I hope that's what we all try to do. But, Mm. uh, you know, look, I I don't draw them and I don't write them. Um, Animation and celebrity, quote unquote, with respect to animation is a bit of a different animal. I I am now becoming more well-known, sort of on the street or in uh, polite company as a result of things like this, podcasts mm-hmm. and and just having been around long enough, I think that people by process of elimination say, oh, we haven't talked to him yet. He's been around. Let's talk to him. <laughs> but it turns out that my job, e- even though it's brought enormous joy to me, in addition to my paycheck, it brings, I would argue, immeasurable joy to millions of others. Um, and so when I meet people like you uh, and others, uh, in passing or people find out who i am in a social situation i gotta tell you man all it does is freak them out in the most gloriously happy way well, I-, I have a superpower all i have to do is say nerf and yeah. people do what i hope what i hope you're doing right now it's kind of elevates their pulse and they smile and sometimes they blush and so it's pretty cool man and i'm very grateful to be here
0: oh well, yeah that's great and kind of uh, going in on that my first question is uh talking about um, since you make your living on your voice, getting the cancer diagnosis must've been terrifying, but I've read in, an interview you recently gave that said during your treatment, you got a lot of encouragement from families that like you've encouraged years before um, just through, you know, your voice talents and calling and just, you know, kind of trying to cheer, cheer kid up. And you said Absolutely. that like, like you got that back from them. Can, you know, can you talk about how, what that meant to you?
1: That is- that is precisely right and i'm so glad you heard that because that's exactly what i want the book to convey the book as you mentioned is called voice lessons uh and it's about that um that is uh, uh although the title the, the title reflects precisely what i what the book is about um and it sounds silly but it's not uh it, there's no mystery um and that's precisely what they were jeremy lessons uh as you can imagine, the children and their parents who've gone through impossible circumstances. I'm sure many of your listeners know families whose children have been affected by many diabolical diseases, cancer included. And uh, I have had the privilege, and that is, it is nothing short of that, to meet families in very intimate circumstances, often when their children were fixing to leave, you know, and the only way they were going to leave the hospital was in the body bag. Uh, And and so to be let in, even through Raphael or Donatello or Pinky or Yakko or Carl Weezer or Mighty Max or Throttle from Biker Mice, from you name it, man, Mm -hmm. to be let in, to talk to their children, uh, because that is what's going to brighten their day. Holy crap, how on earth do we quantify that compliment and that gift? And then years and years later, when many of these children haven't survived and their parents still keep in contact with me, uh, I had nothing short of profiles and courage on how to deal with my own time in the cancer cage. And um, the treatment for throat cancer, though it's very effective, is to be sure pretty brutal um, for obvious reasons. You know, we, we kiss our friends, we talk, we swallow, we drink, we eat yeah. with our mouths and our throats. And when they torch it to kill the cancer, there's unfortunately some good tissue, healthy tissue that gets beat up a little bit along the way. So it's pretty uncomfortable. And the times that I would start feeling for my sorry, feeling sorry for myself, I would remember my little friend's Chad or my little friend's Jordy or my little friend's Rebecca or my little friend's timothy or or kyle or on and on and on logan you name it and their parents and they didn't forget yakko they probably forgot me and it's not about me and again it's not false modesty it is not about me it's about the characters so now i had this glorious experience and nice people like you give me the opportunity to talk to people about how deeply these characters connect with people now before you and some of your listeners might say, duh, I, I, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I live in kind of a creative bubble out here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And that is to say, I and my friends, and in your context, Frank Welker, Peter Cullen, Chris Latta, Arthur Berghardt, Michael Bell, Jack Angel, BJ Ward, we all go to work every day, work with people we choose to be our personal friends, laugh our asses off, have a blast. We know that people love Transformers, and et cetera, et cetera but until the advent of transformers conventions and comic con and all these other places that I go now to uh probably I, I attend I don't know 10 15 of them a year I swear to god Jeremy I did not know the extent to which people even people who weren't thank god suffering from terminal diseases mm-hmm. embraced all these characters
0: yeah and we we've, so, we've heard that from like people like Frank or like Peter Cullen that Um, like latchkey kids were like, this was the father, the father figure in my life. And it's just like on the acting side, I guess until the conventions, you just never heard that feedback. Uh,
1: That is precisely true. And, and all of us, I've known Peter for 30 years. I met Peter on um, Transformers, but then we ended up doing a show together called Rude Dog and the Dweebs. (laughs) Welker was on that. I was on that. Dave Couillet was on that. Um, I mean, An incredible cast of people. Um, And, you know, we had a blast and went home and went to work. And the same places that I've been frequenting for the last 30 years now know who I am. And every time I walk into the same Starbucks I went to 20 years ago, they go, oh, my God, that pinky's here. And and people will walk up and say, I'm sorry, Mr. Paulson, but if it's not too much trouble. And I said, hello, nurse. And they freak out. And they have, and they've know, they've seen me going in. They're going, hi, Rob. You know the usual, yeah, the usual. But now they know Rob, quote unquote, is Pinky, is uh, Slingshot, is Air Raid, is, uh, uh you know, Snow Job from GI Joe, is Yakko, is Pinky, is Doctor Scratch and Sniff, is, and the same thing with Welker. And so it's a totally different animal. But the, the huge beautiful side effect is what you and I are talking about today. And so all of these people have not only given me this really wonderful aspect of my career that I never knew and it's fired me up for the last act of my life, but uh, I got impossibly uh, wonderful lessons to help me in my own cancer experience. And I am fine now. I'm different because you can't go through it and not be. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad. Rob 2.0 is a little different. I've lost 50 pounds. I've gained back about 15, so I don't look the same. But I'm back doing Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain for Hulu next year, and nobody's had a question about my voice. And frankly, that is what everybody likes. So I'm fine with that. And um, I know I'm rambling, but when you give me the opportunity to tell my story, I don't want to miss a beat because the worst thing I can do is get back in my car after talking to this nice guy jeremy and go, oh shit i forgot to tell him this you know because it's a it's a it's yeah. a huge deal to me man uh, it's crazy
0: yeah i appreciate it and one thing that i really enjoy about you is you were very active on like social media with your fans and then yeah uh, i got to meet you at c2e2 this year and just watching you interact with fans and you know you seem to be having as much fun as everyone else
1: oh my god you you got that right in fact i had another well you saw it happen um, and, and I think you know by now that the interest and the excitement that you see from me vis a vis you guys, that is, you know, fans collectively, and make no mistake, I'm a fan too. The names that I rattle off cavalierly, are you kidding me? These people are the best in the world, and they're my personal friends. Frank is my golf buddy. I've known Frank for 35 years. He lives five minutes from me, Jim Cummings lives 10 minutes from me. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, these guys have been to my kids' birthday parties. And um, so I get it, man. I'm a fan. I sit in awe of Frank Welker, you know, every time I've worked with him, which is over 200 now. He still blows me away. Um, but the excitement you see when people come up to me at, the, at like at C2E2 is totally authentic, Jeremy. Um, it is not manufactured. And you guys have given us the gift of seeing how deeply you connect with these characters. So I may be one of the more vocal ones, but all of us, Tom Kenny, Nancy Cartwright, Tress McNeil, Peter, um, Maurice LaMarche, Jess Harnell, Tara Strong, all of us are bl- Mark Hamill, Kevin Conrad. We're blown away, mm-hmm. totally blown away. And, uh, I can't get enough of it. So yeah, I am very involved because I don't want to miss a moment. It's a, a huge adjunct to an already very, very wonderful career.
0: Yeah. Um, getting back to your book real quick. Uh, does it focus just on the the cancer and recovery or does it also look back onto your career? Uh, no and yes, it uh, does not just focus on that. The cancer is kind of the,
1: the, the thing to get your attention, but, um, Uh, Cancer's not a, you know, you you guys know what I mean. Mm -hmm. We all know somebody who's been touched with something. It could be as minor as a, you know, like my dad had some gnarly skin cancer and it was removed and he was fine. Or it could be a child who gets a neuroblastoma and he'd been a friend of the family and he or she makes it to about eight years old and they're gone. Mm -hmm. And that's brutal. And sadly, cancer, quote unquote, or the fact that somebody has cancer is not a big deal. Um, It's a big deal to the family and to the friends. But in the context of, of, you know, problems in the world, it happens every day, you know that. And and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not chastising you, but but we know that. Right now we're having this conversation and right now someone is getting the phone call about their five-year-old. Someone is getting the phone call about their grandma or their grandpa or their husband or their dad or their mother. And so it's sadly not surprising and not unusual what makes my story different is, is the, the context of my cancer. And that is, I think, what makes my story interesting. And, and so it's, it is, it draws attention to this wonderful career, but the way my co-writer has written it and structured it makes it very interesting and I think very powerful because the fact is that I have a much louder voice now, being an, a voice actor than I did for the 30 odd years I had before I almost lost it. My voice is louder now because I almost lost it. And it was not because I abused my voice. It was not because I'm a smoker, not because I'm a partier, you know, as they say in a, in a more crude parlance, shit happens. Yeah. And it happened to me. Why not? I wasn't terrified. I was not thrilled. But I was 59 years old when I I was diagnosed and it didn't take me long to, you know, kind of fall back on these wonderful experiences I'd had with all these children. And I think I used to think at the time that my child was the same age that these children I'd go visit. And it's not just me. I'm not a superhero. In real life, I play them on TV, (laughs) like they say. But um, we all do it. And, you know, athletes do it. Famous people do it all the time and nobody draws attention to it and they shouldn't. It should go with the territory. It it should be something that we do. We're incredibly fortunate. Right. Um, But when I got the call, I kind of chuckled because I already had taken a few punches. And honest to God, even if the doctors had said, look, you better go home and get your stuff in order because this is pretty nasty and you're on your way out. I got I had nothing about which to be sad. I mean, you know, my family. Yeah. But from the practical aspects, my wife had great insurance, my son was grown and married. I'm sure it would have, you know, bothered them a bit, but they're going to be fine, um, you know, uh, in terms of the of all the ways that mattered, um, apart from emotional, right? It's just, that's tough. Well, that life is tough. It's tough for a lot of people. But the first thing I thought of was, wow, there's that old axiom that we make plans and God laughs, you yeah. know? My ego was big enough for about five minutes to go, oh, wow, God's, you know, as if God had the, the time, he or she had the time to sit down and say, hey, let's really screw with Rob Paulson today. Let's give him throat cancer and see how he, re, how he reacts. So I'd like to think that I reacted pretty well. And um, I'm through it now. I'm not the same. I, in some ways, I'm better. But I now have a great story and the, uh, the celebrity, if you will, quote, unquote, to have people interested in it. And mm-hmm. so that's where we are, but yeah, the book the book, and I'm anxious for you guys to read it. it, it highlights a lot of really cool aspects of a of a glorious career. I mean that's not even hyperbole. it's been pretty remarkable, and it continues to be. and um, the, the cancer in there it, uh, contextualizes all of it, and I think it makes for a very interesting story.
0: Cool, well, I mean, I've pre-ordered not, not only the the paper book but the audible version, which I saw that you actually narrated. Oh.
1: Um, I do, and my son Ash um wrote the uh the forward and does the audio book forward as well it 's pretty cool
0: cool uh, How was that different from like regular voice acting you know I imagine narration is a little bit different
1: well that 's a that is an excellent question and i don 't believe i 've ever been asked that so thank you um it's it 's a lot different because i 've never thought of myself as a character, quote unquote, trust me, there are many people alive, my <laughs> wife included, who'd say, oh, Rob is a total character, trust me. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you, you guys know already, I haven't shut up for, what, 20 minutes that we've been chatting, 25? Um, so Rob is, to be sure, a character. However, the, the characters that inhabit Rob's head uh, are created and um, accessed in a different way. And I I have to say that um, when the audiobook company, Tantor Audio, uh, booked the studio time for me to do my audio version of Voice Lessons, um, they booked it for four days. And it was like six hours a day. And again, it was because I don't do audiobooks. There are actors who do it on a very high level. And I I didn't disrespect them before, but I definitely have a... a, um, a healthier respect because I didn't know what I was in for mm-hmm. it's um, it's quite different reading my story was fascinating to me I really enjoyed it but then again that's because of Mike Fleeman my co-writer he constructed the book to make it interesting but um, it's quite exhausting um, just reading my life and words that were not with very with few exceptions but there are places in the book where Yakko and Dr. Scratch and Sniff and Pinky and I think Carl Weezer interact with Rob. So it's kind of fun to have Rob talk with Carl. It's kind of weird, but even the guy who was doing the recording started to smile and got a little bit freaked out. It was neat, um, but it's exhausting. Yeah. And I have to say that doing my acting work uh, is tiring. But in a different way, I get tired just from the excitement of being creative. When I'm just parroting my own writings, it's just kind of tiring. And so I get it, I, I would get places where I would have the same phrase that I just could not get through. And so I just chuckle and say, let me give me five minutes to take some, have some water here and uh, get my bearings, I go back into it, I'd be fine. But I'll be damned, I used every minute of the time they booked. So lesson learned. Pretty
0: cool. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big audiobook fan. So you know, I, I was—I know it's a performance, but it's a different type of performance from it you know, is. Acting.
1: And and I learned, uh, I am not a big audiobook fan only because I listen to sports, I listen mm-hmm. to news, I listen to music. I'm a you know I'm a singer before I've done anything. I was a singer before I moved to Hollywood, and that was one of the ostensible reasons for getting me out here. But, um, I am going to start listening to more audio books because uh the experience was very enlightening and and quite exciting and um so far, the people who produced the book really liked it, and I think I offer a very unique perspective simply because of what i do mm-hmm.
0: yeah definitely uh so uh, can we talk a little bit about your your career uh uh, like one of the things, like I mentioned, you, you were on Transformers playing a couple bots and a few other characters. Uh, we, we've heard from other voice actors about hijinks in the studio. Do you have any particular funny stories from working on Transformers?
1: You know, I, it, I, I wish I did. Um, and the only reason I don't is because honest to God, Jeremy, virtually every session I've done, which is now in the thousands, thank you very much, mm-hmm. has been totally joyful i mean what is there not to be joyful about i go to work every day with people i've chosen to hang out with the people we've already enumerated mark hamill kevin conroy kevin michael richardson frank welker uh you know wally burr charlie adler greg Berger. they're all my friends and that's not even with a small f These guys are my friends. They're all on my phone. These guys and girls, I can call them up right now. They'll pick up my call. I'm going to meet them for lunch later, whatever. And so G.I. Joe and Transformers were the first cartoons I ever did. I think that my most fond memories uh, of those episodes were that that's where I got my vocal cords wet, as it were, (laughs) right? I jumped in with both feet because I was a, a a, a primarily an on-camera talent in those days that I, I would do you know TV stuff, St. Elsewhere, Hill Street, um, um, MacGyver, lots of commercials, movies, um, on-camera stuff. And it wasn't that I didn't want to do animation. It was just when I moved to Hollywood uh, gosh, 1978 and I didn't get my SAG card until 1979 and I didn't start doing cartoons until about 1983 or four, um, cartoons were still relegated primarily to Saturday morning on the three networks. So there was not nearly the the product uh, available for which, um, producers needed voice talent when I moved here. So that means that there were a handful of actors doing it all. Yeah. However, When the opportunity arose, I jumped at it not to replace the on-camera stuff. It was in addition to, dude, I just want to work. And are you kidding me cartoons? Let's try this out. So I go there and I think, oh my God, I met the new people who have turned out to be legends like Charlie Adler, um, like, uh, Peter, Frank was already a legend. But there are people now who are just starting out, Greg Berger, Charlie, we were all starting out at the same time. And I'm surrounded by these people, Charlie Adler, you poke him with a stick. I just saw him two days ago. You poke him with a stick and he makes you laugh. Yeah.
0: Um, I just re listened to your podcast with um, him and Greg Berger and Neil Ross. And it was hilarious. Oh
1: my (laughs) God. Well then, you know, Jesus Christ, these people are so funny and so smart. And, um, the first thing I noticed was, holy shit, Rob, this is the gig. Nobody cares what you look like. Mm-hmm. And at, what, 28, 29, nobody cared what I looked like. It wasn't about being the average-looking uh, Caucasian boy next door who's 5'10 and 160 pounds. And now at 63, at 5'10 and 140 pounds as a result of my little tap dance with cancer, nobody what I, still cares what I look like. Even Steven Spielberg, Hulu, Amblin and Warner Brothers don't care. All they know is that I'm Yakko and Pinky and I can still do it. Now, how great is that? Yeah. So you can make the argument that my career would have been pretty much cut short or drastically changed if it were just related to on-camera stuff. So that was my best memories. Mm-hmm. Or that, those were my best memories. It was about going, oh my God, light bulb. dude." keep working on this aspect of the, of the, of the business. And then about six or seven years later, I made the conscious choice to say, you know what? I think I'm going to jump with both feet in this voiceover gig, man. This is great. And I'm so glad I did. It's been a a, a very wise, happy
0: choice. That's turned out pretty good for you.
1: <laughs> oh dude, totally. It ended up with me talking to you. I, I don't think it could end up much better.
0: Yeah, well, uh, like you said, you are you're pro- probably best known as Yakko and Pinky. Um, and Animaniacs was such a unique show. Um, it came out. I think yeah. I was in high school when it came out, and it just. Yeah. I I don't know when I first saw it, but it's just I don't know. It was like a variety show in cartoon form that kind of just drew exactly me to right. it. Exactly
1: right. It's exactly what it
0: was. Yeah. Um, what were your favorite parts to work on? And you had like short sex, uh, sketches, you had longer bits, and you had songs and you know what what was your favorite part of the show uh to perform uh, uh it
1: it was not is to still the music um i i don't think there's anything in this world with the exception of my family um, and meeting people that makes me happier than singing and to be working on a show from the beginning as a clean sheet of paper i worked on tiny tunes where our friend charlie adler was uh, Buster, and our friend Tress McNeil, who was Dot Warner, was Babs Bunny on that show, but the same people, Mr. Spielberg, um, Tom Ruger, Gene McCurdy, uh, Andrea Romano, all were the usual suspects in, in creating anim- uh, Tiny tunes, and then they went on to a clean sheet of paper, and I got to be there at the very beginning. And now, to this day, when my friend Randy Rogel, who wrote most of the songs that you guys know... When we travel with Animaniacs in concert around the country, sometimes with Randy and me in a piano, sometimes with Randy and me and um, a, a small band. When I'm up singing Ninja Morocco, Uganda, Angola, people just love it, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. So it's the music. Yeah.
0: And I loved you that you guys actually updated that song a few years ago. Added some nations, probably took some away. Isn't that great? Yeah. That was
1: uh, Randy wrote that too, and as I, I kind of half jokingly, because he's so incredibly skilled and his, his talent is so prodigious, but for your listeners who don't know, I'll, I'll knock it out for you. This is great. Um, most of you guys probably know that song where Yakko sings all the nations of the world where, well, obviously the world has changed. And, uh, Randy, our uh, fearless songwriter came to my rescue because people say, you know, Mr. Paulson, that song isn't relevant anymore. And I want to smack (laughs) them. Um, and, and so he, so he's come up with a new lyric. So now it's, uh, uh, Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina, the Soviet Union is gone, South Africa, Georgia, Moldova, Latvia, Belarus, Azerbaijan, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, then there's Tajikistan too, Turkmenistan, Kurdistan, Armenia, Palu, Lithuania, Serbia, Kosovo, US, Samoa, the Balkans, Brunei, Macau and Crimea, then Eritrea, Ukraine and Estonia, here's Macedonia, New Caledonia, Eastern Slavonia, Ivory, and Cape Verde, Andor, the Solomon Islands, Dubai, about oh, that. That's awesome. Yeah, he's, he's it's just crazy. And I love doing it, and it just makes everybody happy.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned the, the Hulu revival. Um, there hasn't been a lot yeah. of news since they announced, but I'm guessing you, you guys are going to be returning. Um,
1: well, um, let me put it this way. I think there will be a fancy-schmancy anou- announcement from Warner Brothers relatively soon to that effect. Okay. And at this time, if I were in Washington right now, I would be in a Senate subcommittee hearing and I would be saying the following, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> All right. So, uh, that's with a big fat cartoon wink. Take that as yeah. you, as you will. All
0: right. Do <laughs> uh, you think it'll be at New York comic con? Cause I'll, I'll actually be there for a couple of days and maybe I can track down some people.
1: Actually it will. I, I don't know. I won't be at New York comic con, but I will be, uh, in new york and new jersey the following week because my book drops on the on the 8th and uh comic-con is over i think on the 6th yeah 5th or 6th but my book drops on the 8th and i'll be in manhattan at the the strand bookstore which is largest bookstore in manhattan on october 10th Mm -hmm. and kevin conroy myself and my uh, kevin's going to host the event and um, i will be there signing my book voice lessons at the first official signing at the strand and um so Batman himself is going to be there to help us, and my co-writer Mike Fleeman and myself will be there at the Strand in, uh, autographing books. So if you're in New York, if you're in Manhattan uh, and New Jersey at, in Bookends. At um, uh, gosh, I don't remember the, the, but just look up, look yeah. up Bookends one word in New Jersey, and uh, I will be there um, that the following Sunday. I think that's the 13th or the 12th. Uh, but have a look there. And so for uh, your listeners who are in the uh, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey area, uh, come on out to bookends on the Sunday or um, on the 10th at uh, the Strand in Manhattan and hang out with Yakko, Batman and a kick ass writer. We'll have a ball.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll look all those up and make sure they're in the the show notes so people can see them. Thank you. And my co-host Charles was happy to to hear and recognize you as a character on the new DuckTales series, uh, which oh, is a, yeah. a, another show like t n t uh Ninja Turtles where you've done voices for the both versions. And yes. how does it compare coming back to work on a show? That's like a revival of a show that you did years ago and where like it's, maybe um, many of the people working on the show enjoyed it as kids themselves.
1: God, it, that, you know what? That's exactly right. And I, it is fantastic. It's a little surreal in the coolest way. I, um, when I was Donatello in the 2012, 2016 version of Ninja Turtles, and I was sitting next to Sean Astin, who was Raphael and uh, Greg Sipes, who was Michelangelo in that iteration. And, and the first time we recorded for the first two episodes, it was uh, Jason Biggs before and he had to move on and ultimately Seth Green replaced him as Leonardo, but it was surreal to sit there and start chatting as a different turtle. <laughs> Fantastic, it was yeah. just wonderful. Um, and you're right, the people who made that iteration, uh, um, Ciro uh, Miele and um, Brandon Amon were turtle geeks from the time they were your age, you know, in, in high school. And so they were the ones now who had the purse strings and, and were making turtles. It was so cool to watch them freak out on the other side of the glass one when I started talking Um, and I am now directing the latest incarnation of the show called Rise of the TMNT. And um, every now and then we'll have uh, actors come in who will have voiced famous characters from the youth of the folks writing and producing that version of the show. And everybody from upstairs, you know, in the production department comes down because I can't, you know, develop, divulge them. You guys will know them when you hear them and they'll make a big fancy announcement, but it's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And and what was really cool for me was when I was directing the four actors who are now the, the Turtles, um, uh, Omar Benson Miller, who's Raphael from Dollars. Uh, um, oh gosh. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um fine. uh josh brenner from uh silicon valley who's donatello um ben schwartz plays leonardo from i think uh parks and rec and um michael smith who plays um uh, mikey now cat graham who plays april What's so lovely is when they walked into the studio and I said, hi, I'm Rob, I'm the director. And of course, they you know, they were just very polite, very polite, very talented. And it was so cool because we started recording a few um, few lines and took a break for some technical issues. And so Ben Schwartz is on his phone and I hear over the talk back, he says, holy shit. Do you know who this guy is? Meaning me. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's Raphael, this guy's Donatello. this guy's Pinky, this guy's Yakko, this guy's Carl. And it was so, Sweet, because they all of a sudden turned into a bunch of ten-year-olds, and they immediately said, "Oh my God! Just tell us how you want us to do it." It was great. So it's uh, it's a pretty a pretty lovely position to be in, man. It's uh, yeah, it's never never not fantastic.
0: Um, in uh, in recent years, uh, we we've talked a little bit about the conventions, but you seem to be paired with Maurice Lamarche at a lot of these shows, and. Yeah, uh, you guys seem to kind of um, that you're, you are the best of friends and it kind of oh, totally. comes off. Uh, how much fun is it to have someone with him that, you know, you are so close to, you know, at these shows.
1: Oh my God. It is exactly what you would probably imagine. Maybe even better. There's nothing cooler than to being. I, was, I said this the other day, I was with Tress and Jess and Maurice and, hmm, I wonder what that must've been. And, um, I looked at them. I was giving them copies of my book uh you know i 've gotten a few uh, a box of them to sign um as an early thing from my publisher, some giveaway and um so I gave my friends you know a copy and uh it was you know they of course are just the sweetest people in the world and they 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 were uh, among a very few people I told about my cancer because i didn 't need it to share with everybody except people who needed to know Mm -hmm. and um, they did because we were working on stuff together. And so, and they're like my family and they were so generous and so gracious and and it's nothing short of miraculous to be able to look around and say, I've known these people for a generation and in some cases longer. I've known Tress McNeil for 40 years since she's been a cocktail waitress. She is now the single most prodigious voice talent in the history of Hollywood, period, end of story. And um, to be able to share that and watch their stars rise has been a, a miracle. Um, and then when Mo and I go on the road, and we look at each other all the time and go, "Can you believe this?" The people who come up with their stories of pinky in the brain and what it got them through—sometimes it's servicemen and women who have been um, deployed to Iraq in the Middle East and seen the absolute worst of humanity, and they 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 just decompress by watching Pinky in the Brain. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I don't even know how to quantify that compliment. And we share it together. The other night, uh, literally, uh, Tuesday night, Maurice and I were asked by a young podcaster, probably about your age, who has a very successful podcast that he does live from the improv in Hollywood every week. And um, he asked Maurice and I to be his guests. And when we were off stage and we had a couple of wireless mics and maurice said pinky it is time to take over hollywood are you pondering when i'm pondering and i said i think so brain but if jack's black and betty's white is Marvin gay no and the audience lost their minds it was a couple hundred people not a big room 150 people but they lost their minds yeah so we went up on stage then tom ruger the creator of pinky and the brain and animaniacs and tiny Toons and freakazoid joined us And we did a little back and forth. They, it was the band, the staff, the waiters, the bartender, everybody, some of them were crying. And it wasn't, they weren't, they were just crying. Oh my God, I don't know why I'm crying, but I can't stop. Men and women. And and it always happens, Jeremy. It's Mm -hmm. the coolest thing in the world. So yeah, that's what it's like. It's beyond cool and, and, To do it with people you've had over to your home countless times. You've known them through sickness, health, marriage, divorce, sadness, joy, birth, death. And then to know that ultimately, when we all punch our tickets, we'll leave the world with more laughter than tears. How on earth can it get any better than that? It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And in that. Podcast I'll re-listen to the other day, you closed it saying like laughter is the best medicine, and you know it's yep. so true. It is.
1: I and I've I've always lived that axiom. When I was a kid, um that famous uh monthly magazine called Reader's Digest, you know, that was a big deal. And it was in every doctor's office, and virtually everybody, every grandparent had it the Saturday Evening Post, Life Magazine, Time magazine. National Geographic, whatever. And so I'd see him at my aunt and uncle's house, doctor's offices. And at the end of, at the back of every uh, edition of Reader's Digest, there were a bunch of jokes in print. And it said, laughter is the best medicine. Well, I appropriated that for my own devices. And I ended every one of my 200 plus podcasts by saying, laughter is the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD and the refills are free. And I'll be, God it's true. And I know it because I'm living it. Yeah. Uh, it helped me get through my cancer, and I would bet you money there are people listening to this right now and say, boy, you got that right, Rob. And so uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, pal.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, and uh, before we close out, uh, my Canadian co-host, Daryl, uh, he noted that you were a former hockey player and that you often oh, yeah, speak highly time. of your days playing. And Oh, totally.
1: I, in fact, I just had an email um, um Exchange just yesterday and today with uh the pr department at um, at the detroit red wings my all-time favorite hockey team and the detroit tigers i'm a big sports nut and being Mm -hmm. from detroit uh i got to sing the national anthem at tiger stadium a while back and i've sung it out here at dodger stadium and and at tiger stadium all the you know on the audience we were we were they had a they asked pinko yak pinky yakko carl Weezer, and raphael to say play ball at different times it was great so you are here, hey, Detroit, play ball. And, oh, my God, it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. So now the Red Wings are wondering, hey, can you come out and sing the national anthem as Pinky? Of I, course I can. <laughs> oh, my God, I just love it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, that was the only other thing I wanted to be besides an actor was a hockey player. And I learned very early that I had no business trying to make a dime as a hockey player.
0: Yeah, well, Daryl wants to know um, what you think Americans fail to understand about hockey and why many don't give it a chance. Because he, he keeps trying well, to get us in, into it.
1: Well, it depends on where you live. Hockey right. still is the fourth sport. But wait, you know, God, the, the, the number one draft choice two years ago, drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs, was from, was from Phoenix. Um, the L.A. Kings, the, Maya, the mm-hmm. uh, Anaheim Ducks have all won the Stanley Cup. Um, last year, the Columbus Blue Jackets, for God's sake, almost you know made a, made a good case for them being in the Stanley Cup. Last year, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. So the the, the Canadian hockey teams haven't won the Stanley Cup for years. Hockey's huge down here. Now, is it as huge as football? No. As baseball? No. Um, And basketball? No. But it's pretty damn big. And there are a lot of people in the cities I enumerated who are crazy about hockey. Um, But I think the biggest thing that people, if if I would say that one thing maybe people don't understand about hockey is They may watch it on TV and I understand why people say, I don't, you know, it's just confusing. And it is um, because it's so fast, but that is what the selling point of the game is. And if you go see even minor league hockey, OHL, American Hockey League, East Coast Hockey League, International Hockey League, go see pro hockey league, even semi-pro, it's fast. If you go to an NHL game and you aren't at least impressed with the skill level of these players, men and women players, then you ain't got a pulse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you don't like other sports. I love football, you know, but they take a break. I understand every play, there's a break, they retool. They, sometimes they take a little bit of a timeout. Uh, hockey, oh my God, it's, it's you try skating full out. Um, you try skating full out for two minutes
2: yeah.
1: and um, you'll be exhausted. And usually a shift lasts for a line, a minute, minute or two minutes. At the end of the night, they have in a 60 minute game, unless it goes to overtime in the playoffs, you'll have players who skate 25, 30 minutes in a game.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: when people are trying to run you over and knock your teeth out legally, it takes its toll. It's a yeah. fantastic game. I, I love hockey because it is so fast and it combines the best of, in my view, all games. Um, smarts, physicality, positional play. Uh, you have to be able to shoot, pass, take a, take a, a punch give a punch. And I don't mean fight. I mean, check. So it's like football, the, the speed of basketball, um, the heads upness of, uh, soccer, uh, um, the speed of, uh, you know, 90 mile hour, fa- uh, fastball, 9,500 mile hour hockey puck coming at you. It's a fantastic game. It's the best game in the world to me. And I know because I played it from the time I was eight till a couple of months ago it was the last time I played because I don't have time right now. Yeah. But it is a wonderful game. And remember, it's the only game that the equipment is sharpened. How's that for a, something lover? Uh, <laughs> yeah. get your attention? There's no other sport in the world in which you sharpen your equipment. So that, that'll get your attention. I love hockey. Moreover, the people who play hockey at a high level are the most unpretentious, down-to-earth people in the world. I speak from experience. I'm talking about Gordie Howe, Bobby Orr, um, Stan Mikita, Phil Esposito, uh, Joe Watson, They're the nicest, coolest people in the world. And I'm so thrilled to have hockey players as, as personal friends.
0: Awesome. Well, um, I guess closing this up, um, wanted to to note, you know, cancer, like you said, has probably affected everyone in some form. Uh, I lost my dad to brain cancer. Uh, my host Daryl lost uh, his dad to the same kind that you had. Um, I'm
1: so sorry. And, and I get it and God bless you both. I so get it, my friend. And thank you, thank you, thank you, both of you for having me on to tell my story because they're not always um, they're not always sad endings, but I would submit that you have nothing but joyful memories of your respective dads mm-hmm. and the, despite the the cancer and I would also submit that even though the cancer took them that they fought the good fight and the example that they set for you is something that you'll take and share with your friends and family because even though some people don't make it the fight they put up is what it's about it's about getting up it's about getting up until you can't any more and that is the lesson and whether it's cancer or just life it's about pardon me getting the you know what up and and so your parent your dad showed you that and that's a big deal my friend
0: yeah so, yeah, so we wanted to thank you also for sharing your story with us. Um, we're, oh, we're so happy that you did honor. overcome. And, you know, we we look forward to reading and listening to your book.
1: Thank you, Val. So. It, it is a, a privilege to be in this position. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Uh, I'm very grateful. And I look forward to seeing you again in person. Yep. And I hope you like the book. Let me know and we'll talk again.
0: All right. So thanks again to Rob Paulson for uh coming on and, and talking with me. This was, uh, as I, I believe I mentioned it in the interview, uh, a bucket list for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I've gone by the, the username online, uh, as Yako or some form of Yako since the BBS days, uh, like 95, 96. So this was beyond amazing for me. Uh, if you want to buy his book, uh, as I mentioned, um, I have links in the show notes uh, you can get uh, from Amazon. You can get paperback, Kindle, or Audible. And uh, as we mentioned, he is narrating the Audible version, which is awesome. I would be remiss if I didn't also mention our friend Jim Simonik's, uh cancer charity, uh, Electronic Saviors, and you know the Respect the Prime project, which we've been very supportive of since the beginning. Uh, it's great. Work. He's raised over seventy thousand um, dollars for cancer research and cancer charities. And um, if you want to get some good music and also you know support cancer research, uh, go go to distortionprod. dot com and check that out. And uh, there's also a, a link to that in our show notes. So uh, once again, uh, thank you so much to Rob Paulson for coming on, and uh, we will see you next time on Transmissions Alt Mode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode of Transmissions. But just because this episode is over doesn't mean the Transformers fun has to stop. Join us and other Transformers fans on our Discord chat server by visiting TransmissionsPodcast.com slash Discord. If you would like to learn more about how you could support the Transmissions podcast, just visit TransmissionsPodcast.com slash support. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week.